0: So Church Hurt, kind of a different name for a series at church. We'll get to that in a second. Just want to thank the crew that was up here. They're all from Monroe City Church. That's going to be launching down in Monroe this fall, and they've been on a journey. They uh, were supposed to launch originally two falls ago, but they had some uh, building issues, some... uh, some interesting conversations with the township that got kind of delayed them. And then COVID happened, so they got delayed some more. You don't want to start a church or a business or anything in a pandemic, so they've been holding off. But they're looking at this fall to get things launched. So if you are from that way, if you know people, if you have family down that way, uh, please grab them at some point in chat. Sarah was the one here in the middle. She's one of the pastors. And then Steve is back on the sound booth filling in for us. So just appreciate them. Uh, they, they come from time to time. And our worship team put in so much time in those few weeks, and, and including Easter. And so just wanted to give them a break. Appreciate other talented friends that can jump in. But but we have this series called Church Hurt. And, and when you use that phrase, Church Hurt, I don't know that any of us can perfectly define it. But I do know that you know it when you see it, and even more so, you know it when you feel it. We actually had this series in the works for last year at this time, coming out of Easter and just decided, man, this, this isn't one of those series that you want to do staring into an iPhone while you're trying to figure out what church live streaming is, right? So we, so we pushed it back. We kept putting it off, wanted to make sure we could go eyeball to eyeball on this particular series. And I know we still have uh, many of you watching at home on Facebook Live, but wanted to have some people in front of us in person for this particular series. And uh, what we were kind of noticing last year and even into this year is that many of our guests, if not most of our guests, were coming to church with stories. Uh, Stories from a current church, maybe a church way in their past, maybe it was something more recent, maybe something as a child. But for some of us, it was something that was maybe keeping us away from church for a long time. Maybe for for some of you, maybe it's been years since you legitimately engaged with a local church because you have stories from your past. Maybe some of you have engaged somewhere and have made multiple tries at multiple locations, and maybe Fieldstone is your last try. I don't know. And maybe, maybe some of you are in that place where you'll never fully walk away because you know the power and value of being plugged into a church. You want your kids to experience that. And you just, you just want it to fit, though, right? To, to steal a phrase that we use around here quite a bit, you want it to be life-giving. You, you don't want it to steal your joy. You don't want it to steal your energy every time you show up to church, and so we we actually count it as God's timing that this got delayed a little bit because it seems even more vital now after a year. Take all the normal stuff that happens within churches and then add in an election year and all the extra tension, tension that comes with that even within churches and then add in the COVID year and some of the weird tension that that created even and especially within churches. And, and we feel like God purposely pushed it down the road for us so that we could bring it up at a time when uh, everyone's feeling a little bit goofy in some ways when it comes to church. And honestly, when it comes to the series, you guys, I'm, I'm more curious than anything as to how this is going to go. Uh, certainly, have been working through the content for a long time, but you just never know how different things are going to land. You don't know what everyone is showing up with, what kind of baggage is being brought to the table, either fresh or from deep into their past. And so, we, we just have a couple... Really basic goals for the next three weeks. And one of them is to simply acknowledge the elephant in the room. Acknowledge the, the reality that local churches and our experiences in them are not perfect. We experience things that uh, aren't exactly as we would hope for, aren't is that exactly as they should be. People do experience hurtful moments in church. So that's the first one. We just want to kind of put it out there and and begin a conversation about the realities of attending a church. And then the second thing is we want to hopefully in some way allow some space for a couple baby steps towards healing. Uh, On the individual level, maybe to ignite a conversation within yourself, a conversation with God, maybe a conversation with someone else who has been there and done that to help you process a little bit. And on the corporate level, Healing, from the standpoint, is we, we want our church family here to experience long-term health. And we want to try to be the best version of Fieldstone Church that we can be. In. And and uh, so that's kind of what we're hoping to do here. And, and I don't know what conversations this may generate, but we're going to dive in. Uh, and and we'll see what God chooses to do with it. Let me pray for us, and then we'll we'll hit the meat of what we want to do today. God, we thank you for... This place, thank you for the team from Monroe to, to lead us in worship, and, and uh, God, just the, uh, the spirit that you've given us this morning in both services, and I, I pray the same for those who are watching at home, that, that you would show up in whatever way we need you to. God, move in this room, move in each living room or whatever coffee shop this is being watched at uh, in the future. Uh, God, we believe you have a message that you want to convey, and we'll simply do our best to get out of the way and let you do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in life, when do we get hurt? There's probably a lot of good answers to that question, but our answer for today and for this series is is simply this. When, When something or someone fails to live up to what it's supposed to be in our lives, we get hurt. Something or someone fails to be what it's supposed to be. So what are a mom and a dad supposed to be? And what happens when they aren't that? What is being a a part of a sports team supposed to be like? And what is it like when it's not that? How is a day with your health care provider supposed to be? And how does it feel when it's not that? What's the role of a husband or wife supposed to have in your life? And what happens when they don't fulfill that? And th- those are all relational, kind of emotionally charged things. But even just going physically, you have knees and you have elbows and you have wrists. We had a nephew a few weeks ago who uh, fell doing something and broke his wrist and they sent us a picture and it like bent three different times before it actually got to his fingers. So, so when your wrist fails to be what it's supposed to be, when your knee fails to do what it's supposed to do, some of you have had those surgeries and been through those rehabs where like my back simply isn't doing what it was designed to do, It hurts. So whether we're talking physical or relational or emotional, when something fails to do what it's supposed to do or fails to be what it's supposed to be, we experience hurt. Now there's another side of that, and this will be a tension kind of woven in throughout this series, is we also get hurt when something or someone fails to live up to what we expect them to be in our lives, which is very different sometimes from what it's supposed to be. So we say things like, I I thought once I got married, I'd never be lonely anymore. Well, is that something that's supposed to be or something that we expected to be? I thought my friends would always be available whenever I needed them. Is that a supposed to be or an expected to be? I thought the customer's always right. Maybe, but is that a supposed to be or an expected to be? I thought my kid would always get equal playing time. Is that a supposed to be or an expected to be? As the husband of a coach, I can tell you that's an expected to be. All right? Nobody's supposed to Don't worry about it. We can talk about it later but it's t- it's a tough line to walk there is that tension and 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 we're trying to walk that because we don't want to have someone come and say oh man i've been hurt by church and say well it might be your fault that, but that's a you know there's some difficult tensions and we'll we'll kind of hit it a little bit over the next few weeks but either way we get hurt And we probably could have just called the series hurt instead of church hurt, because in reality, it's it's there are universal feelings, universal experiences, universal traumas, universal impact that comes from the hurt, whether it happens at home or work or school or whatever. And church hurt operates the same way, but in many ways it's worse because of what church is supposed to be. And so today, really the chunk of what I want to do to kick off this series is really ask the question: what is the church? What is it supposed to be? What is it not supposed to be? And, and to do that, what we need to do is go back to the beginning, back to Acts chapter 2, when this whole church thing got started. And just a little bit of context, if you want to turn in your Bible or pull up your app, we're going to be in Acts 2, 42 to 47. And what's happening here is uh, Jesus has done his thing. We had Christmas where he's born, fast forward 30 years, life, ministry, teachings, miracles, all that stuff. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter happens, which we celebrated last year, and now Jesus, after interacting with his followers a little bit and then going back to heaven, they're thinking, man, this this whole movement of Jesus is really cool, but now what? Because now there's no Jesus here. Well, the Holy Spirit shows up at Pentecost. They, the disciples bust out of this room they're hiding in and start teaching. And everyone, no matter what language they speak, understood what they were saying. Peter has this big sermon moment where 3,000 people come to know Christ in one day. And 12 disciples and their 100, 120 other followers turns into thousands of believers overnight. So they're asking again, well, now what? What are we supposed to do? Well, here's what they did in Acts chapter 2. And this is... This is before humans had any time to mess it up this is before humans had a chance to add their opinions to the church their traditions to the church input their fallen human nature into this perfect beautiful thing called the church this is church as it was meant to be okay and this is the only place that's true when when we were getting ready to launch fieldstone we were researching you know marketing and uh, mailers and social media and all that stuff that people do and we came across some of these samples where people like such and such a church church the way it was supposed to be and we're like what like first century with togas and stuff is that how it's supposed to be because i don't know if anybody's got it nailed down so that's that's different from this this is exactly how church was supposed to be because it was before humans got too much control over it so let's jump to acts 2 starting in verse 42 says they however many believers there were at the time, because three thousand got saved at Pentecost, but many of them were from other countries and other regions, so they're kind of heading back off to home. so maybe a thousand people, maybe fifteen hundred people, these believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And prayer. And so the the first thing that we see right away is they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Basically, they devoted themselves to the teaching of, the hearing of, and the living of the inspired word of God. They knew that these apostles had been with Jesus. They heard his teaching straight from his mouth to their ears. They saw his miracles. They saw him live. And so they want to make sure that whatever teaching happens throughout the church, it all comes from the foundation of what these apostles were teaching and passing on. He said, let's make sure we all know what this church thing is based on. Let's make sure that we're all grounded on the same truth, capital T. So they devoted themselves to the teaching and the hearing and the living of the inspired word of God as was taught from Jesus through the disciples. Second thing that we see in that verse is not only teaching, but fellowship. And this is quality time with other believers. And they, they had their quick hitter moments like we do, right? They'd see Mary at the grocery store. They'd see the Smiths down at the market. So they would have those interactions, but it was more than that. It says there is breaking of bread and prayer. That's intimacy, right? You don't share a meal with just anybody. You don't circle up and have an intimate time of prayer with just anybody. That you, you didn't celebrate communion or the Lord's Supper with just anybody. And so we're talking about more than just this simple interaction. We're talking about intimate fellowship with other believers. And that's why as we begin talking about small groups again, doing a big uh, uh, another big kickoff in the fall as we come out of this COVID thing, and you'll be hearing more about it this spring and summer, but that's why we ask our small groups to incorporate certain things into their gathering times because it's, it's not just guy time, which is a great thing. And it's not just girl talk, which is a great thing. It's not just pizza and video games, which for our students is an excellent thing. But it's more than that. It's trying to foster true, intimate Christian fellowship as part of this first century church. So apostles teaching, they're devoted themselves to hearing the word, teaching the word, living the word, and intimate time with other believers. Let's move on to verse 43. What else do we see in the church as it's supposed to be? It says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, we've got to talk about this one because some of you grew up the way I did. Maybe a conservative Baptist background, but even here at Fieldstone, we don't talk about verse 43 much in non-denomination land. It's a little bit scary. When I was growing up, one of the first leadership mentors that I had we were talking about what the church is about and what's, you know, how do you plan out a calendar and what things should be incorporated. And he said to really boil it down, the church is supposed to incorporate three ships and me. Three ships and me. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, and then ministry and evangelism. Five amazing things. Five things that we see in the book of Acts that the church incorporates. But here's the problem with that list of five. That list doesn't say anything about verse 43. Why? Because that's scary to some of us. Verse 43 is something that we avoid in many ways and don't talk about a lot. That's a list of things that I want to call God things. Church as it's supposed to be incorporates God things. Now, in their context, it served to provide some credibility to the teaching that they were doing. Similar in Jesus' ministry, we hit this a few weeks ago, Jesus would do his miracles not to perform a magic show, not to draw a crowd, but to provide credibility to who he said he was and what he said he was doing. Similar for the disciples, and they, it was kind of that way. And in our context, we have Scripture, and we can look back at those things and see how God worked and, and provided a foundation for His teaching through some of those miracles and happenings. But it's basically this. In a church in our context, there are things happening that can only be explained with God. There are dreams being pursued and goals out there that can only be accomplished with God. And that's always been a major part of our dream here because we, when we set out and launched this church a few years ago, we said, man, whatever else happens, we want things to happen here that no one can take credit for. No personality, no gift, no talent, no toys, no technology. Nothing can take credit for what God is doing. And so that's why even as we get later into this year and we start talking about other things we want to do with the building and technology upgrades and things like that, most times we're going to stop short of what we could do. We're going to stop short of what many places would do because we don't want those things to steal the credit for what God is doing. And so if God chooses to change a life or touch a heart or move someone to tears, if God chooses to grow this church, I refuse to allow a building or a personality or shiplap to steal the credit. Because you've said it, and I've said it. I've heard people say it Where you walk into a place and say, well, if our church had that smoke and lights, we would be seeing those things happen too. Nope, don't want that. Well, if we had this big, beautiful building and all the things that come with it, God would be doing those things at our church too. Nope, we don't want those conversations happening. We want God things to happen the way they happen in Acts two forty three, where where things are happening that cannot be explained outside of God and what he's doing. So that's a big one. Let's move on. We'll, uh, we'll go back to verse 42 and, and continue into 44. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And then 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. What we see here now is unrivaled generosity. Generosity To the extreme, and that's why when we talk about finances here, we actually did a a financial stewardship series earlier this winter. I don't spend a lot of time and energy trying to convince people to give money to Fieldstone. Now, do we want people to give to Fieldstone? Yes. Do we need people to give to Fieldstone? Yes. But as I look at it, if Christians around the world were living out biblical generosity, every church. Every nonprofit, every Christian organization would have more money than they knew what to do with. That's church as, as it was meant to be. Unrivaled generosity. They sold property to help people who were in need. That's unheard of. Crazy generosity. Church, as it was meant to be, is full of the most generous, open-handed people on the planet. Unrivaled generosity generosity let's continue on verse 46 and 47 for the last one says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts there's that intimate fellowship again praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved public worship experiences Again, they they certainly had their private intimate moments, but they also had public expressions of their intimacy where they said, this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is what Jesus means to us. And this is how Jesus' people do life. So come join us. Be a part of this thing. We're out here waiting for you, looking for you, allowing you an opportunity to be a part of what we're doing. They had these public worship experiences where the intimacy of their fellowship and the power of their generosity and the things that only God could do were happening were on display for the world to see. So in church as it's meant to be, we see worship, we see teaching grounded in truth, we see crazy generosity, we see closeness that only comes with that shared pursuit of Jesus. We see God-sized miracles This is what church was about in the beginning. This is what church should be about now. It's a shining example of life and how it should be experienced. It's a shining example of heaven on earth. That is what the church is supposed to be. But what about when it's not? What happens when it fails to be? What it's supposed to be? What, what happens when it goes beyond what it's supposed to be? Or what, what happens when a church uses the cover of what it's supposed to be in order to justify becoming something that it should never be? Well, it's just like every other area of life. What happens when your marriage fails to be what it was created to be? What happens when your school fails to be what it was created to be? What happens when your mom and dad fail to be what they were created to be in your life? What happens when your therapist fails to fill the role that a therapist is supposed to be in your life? What happens when your doctor fails to be what a doctor is supposed to be? Well, what happens when your church fails to be what your church was created to be? It hurts. It hurts. That video that showed before I came up A few minutes ago, every single one of those experiences on the cards are real things. Those are real things that we've heard from people in this church. They've experienced at some point in their lives. Real experiences, terrible, hurtful, damaging things experienced in a church. Times when this beautiful, life-changing thing called the body of Christ, called the church, failed to be what God created it to be. Failed to protect you. Failed to respect you. Failed to believe you. Failed to hear your point of view. Failed to acknowledge and empathize with your feelings. Maybe it failed to love you. Maybe it failed to teach you the truth. Or maybe failed to forgive you and restore you. Failed to set up proper boundaries and accountability for its leadership or for its finances. Failed to preach the gospel. Failed to elevate Jesus as the only way, truth, and life. Failed to be honest with you. Failed to keep promises. Failed to admit mistakes and shortcomings. Maybe failed to care much about your generation. Maybe it failed to care much about the season of life that your family's in. maybe it failed to care much about your kids at all. If the idea of church causes you hurt, you need to know you're not alone. You're not alone that includes joe and i we have stories there are things that our church does that are a direct result of things that people like him and i have experienced in our past there are things really good things that maybe our church will never do because we've seen it used in a bad way and having a hard time getting away from it. so it affects a church from top to bottom the stories that we bring in with us if church has hurt you you are not alone So a few things I want to throw at you before we wrap up this morning. First one's this: this idea of church hurt. It can, and it will, and it has happened here. And it, it, I think so many different things can happen in the context of the church, but most of the time it's it's a people issue. Right? There are imperfect people here, and imperfect people and imperfect leaders do imperfect things. To the extent where I, this hasn't happened a lot, I don't think. You know, I don't know if people have left under the cover of COVID or whatever, but people have left Fieldstone feeling disappointed and feeling hurt. Some of it has been that tension we talked about where it's, it's expectations versus reality and, and there's disappointment, but some of it has been legit. And, and, and we're going to hit that tension next week on how to, how to figure out, is this a me problem? Is this a church problem? And what, how do I figure that out? And, and what do I do about it? But, but you need to know if you're looking for a place where no one is ever frustrated, you need to keep looking because this isn't that place. It can happen here. It has happened here. It will happen here. Imperfect things happen when imperfect people are involved. Second thing, as we think about some of the hurts that we've experienced and of people that we love have experienced, you need to know that no matter the story, for better or for worse, the church the body of Christ is a beautiful picture of what we have in Jesus, no matter what the story. And and here's what I mean by that, because when things are great, when, when we're experiencing church as it was meant to be, then we're experiencing Acts chapter two, and we have this beautiful picture, this amazing living thing that's taking its lead from Jesus as the king, as the head, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture. But what about when things go sour? See, even when things go sour, we experience the power of Ephesians 5.23 that says, Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is also the Savior. The Savior of something that needs saving. Yeah, he is the head, but he is also the deliverer and the preserver and the Savior of his church. And so in our worst moments as individuals, as local bodies of Christ, those bad moments become a beautiful picture of God's love for us. And even at our worst, he loves us and he restores us and does his work. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I love how Paul describes this relationship um, between Jesus and his power and the work that he's doing in us as these broken, weak vessels. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, he says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as the servants, for Jesus' sake. Verse 7, we have these treasures in jars of clay. That's us, these weak pottery-type things. We have these treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are imperfect, but the perfect work is done by Jesus. And so at our best, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus and, and his church. And at our worst, it's a beautiful picture of God using people to do his work. Third thing is this. Help us fight for the bride. Help us fight for the bride. Now, if you're newer to church, I, I want to let you know that not only is the church referred to as the body of Christ, but in the New Testament, it's described as the bride of Christ. That's a very special relationship between Jesus and his church, a body of believers. And so here's, here's what I want to say. This is partly an encouragement and partly a challenge as we commence this conversation about being hurt by church. As we talk about the weaknesses of churches, as we talk about the failures of people in churches, Please, watch your tone. Watch your tone. And I'm guilty of this too, but but here's the thing. If you talk about my bride the way we often talk about Jesus' bride, you and I are going to have a very serious conversation. You don't talk about my wife with a certain tone. And the same expectation exists for Jesus and his bride. This conversation that we're going to have over the next few weeks and whatever conversations extend beyond that, it's not about disrespecting something that God cherishes. It's about drawing attention to some important areas that we as a church can and should be aware of and improve on. And so here at Fieldstone, we, we speak of the church, even in the midst of frustration, we speak of the church with respect for what it is, the bride Of Christ, and we speak of it with respect for what it's supposed to be, and can be, and will be. Now, it gets a little goofy, because one of the interesting things about the American church is you do have movement between churches within a community. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, right? There are options. You can find a church that fits your family's need or your personality or worship style or teaching style or, or location. There are options out there. And so there are, there's quite a bit of migrating between churches within communities here in the American church. And so here's what I need you to know. If, if there have been issues that you've experienced or frustrations or pains or failures in churches past, we are always open to being the family that you're looking for. We're always willing to talk through any questions you have or confusion that you're experiencing or pain that you've experienced in past church experiences. But at the same time, even as we might describe to you how we're different from what you've experienced, you might find that we're very much the same as what you've experienced. And that brings up that tension again between is this a supposed to be or expected to be and and how am I navigating this different thing? And so we're willing to welcome you and give you a place to worship and rest. But if you're coming from a place of pain, either recent or in your distant past, we're willing to have those conversations, but it's also going to be a conversation about what God is asking of you. Any of those conversations, they will never come at the expense of another church family's good name. We will talk of the bride with all the respect that she deserves. So with that said, help us fight. It's hard to be life-giving. It's hard to be what the church was supposed to be. So if you're here and you need to rest, please rest. If you need to clear your head, clear your head. If you need to work through struggles, absolutely. Even before Fieldstone launched, we had about eight months uh, from when we pulled out of our last ministry to when Fieldstone launched. And those first couple months, they were amazing. Just a chance to kind of like... Let some of the rewiring take place and get back to what God was calling us to be and, and leave some of the traditions and ideas and other ways of doing things behind and just kind of get a fresh slate that we could work with. And, guys, I'm telling you, I have since that year, I have never criticized anyone for sleeping in on a beautiful, sunny April Sunday morning because we did it, and it's glorious. You, look, you wake up at 8, 9, and you see the sun shining through the window, and you're like, Yeah, we're watching a video this morning. I get it. Totally get it. So so if that's where you're at, and you need to rest, you need to roll over, you need to clear your head, whatever, but then get back in the fight. Help us fight with prayer and with love and with truth. Help us fight for the gospel. Help us fight for healing and restoration. Help us be a life-giving example of what the church is supposed to be. And the truth is, well, because of our imperfections, we're never going to achieve Acts 2 church perfection on this side of heaven, but we can go down swinging. And I'm sorry, throwing out all like the church locker room, like inspiring cliches right now, but we're trying to do this with the same urgency that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and he's seeing things happening that should not be, seeing things happening that were not a part of the Acts 2 church in, at the beginning, but people got their hands on it, and things started happening. So Paul says. To kind of paraphrase, he says, I promised you, Corinthian church, to one husband. I promised you to Christ. But there are people who are trying to make the church impure. They're trying to make it something that it's not. They're trying to make it less than what it should be. And that's not going to happen on my watch, Paul says. There's urgency in that passage, knowing that there's a lot at stake. Help us fight for this local church this community because it matters. There's a lot at stake. Next week, uh, we're going to go a little bit different next week. We're going to do a little bit of interview format uh, and kind of start talking about uh, acknowledging the hurts that we've experienced. We're not going to interview you. Don't worry. Come back. Uh, we're not going like, to throw a mic in your face. We're going to interview one of our professional counselors here at Fieldstone and just acknowledge some of the things that we've all been through and, and begin to process that and give you a few steps that we can take to actually begin healing from that and reengaging as believers and, and as part of the body of Christ that he's called us to be. And then week three, very simple. We're going to hit Matthew chapter 18 because in that chapter is a passage where Jesus lays out how we are supposed to address conflict and tension within the body of Christ Um, In some ways, a generic idea, but in some ways, a very important thing for us to understand going forward as a church and as believers when it comes to tension and conflict. So uh, as we go through, if this generates uh, tension within you, if you need to have a conversation, please let us know. Uh, Certainly myself and Joe and others, but what I can do in this church is whatever you've experienced in your past or your present I can probably turn you and point you towards someone who has been there and done that and say, yeah, you need to talk to that dude because he experienced the same thing and he's come through it. You need to go see that family because they got the same treatment and they've been through it. Go get some wisdom from them. And so we can point you in a really positive direction. And as we'll mention next week, we might have to point you towards someone with uh, some professional experience, but whatever it is, we want to be healthy. We want to be willing to talk about it. We want to move forward. Uh, as individuals and, and as a healthy church family. So let me pray for you, and we'll, we'll get on with our afternoon. Father, we love you. Thank you for um, the, the venue to talk about some of this. God, thanks for the, the freedom to just throw things out there and, and talk about what's real, talk about what we're really going through. And so as we all navigate this in individual ways, God, I pray that you would reach us in individual ways. Reach into each uh, seat, uh, God, each living room, but whatever coffee shop this is being watched at later on, God, just grab us individually. Stir up the things that need to be stirred up. God, settle some things that maybe need to be settled. And in the end, we're gonna trust you to do the work through all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon.